0: I'm a workaholic, and JPass has been just an absolute godsend to me because, you know, each and every day I was wondering how I was going to get from one place to another and get to the office, and how I was going to make everything go, and it was so stressful. and And I was on the waiting list for a couple of years. Once I came off, it was just like a a, a weight had been lifted from my shoulders. It was like, oh my God, I can just work now, just to, you know, to have a little hand up to be able to help me you know, make the days go easier and and get help for the assistant and everything. It's just been incredible.
1: You know, your PCA just gives you a lot of confidence to know that um, you're going to have a chance to get to work and and do what you need to do, be independent, and also have a purpose and feel like you're contributing to society, to your country, and you're you're an asset to your company.
2: It made it possible. I was afraid uh, when I started looking at jobs, I was afraid of not having medicaid and then how to pay for my my support and my help if i chose to leave miami and not be another support of my family and jpass was a godsend i would not have been able to do it
3: And I wanna say in today's episode, I am very excited to bring to you all a group of people that are extraordinary, fascinating, and will not be able to get to the depth of what they're all about in this episode, but in the uh, timeliness of the moment, we're gonna be talking about a very important program that allows people with disabilities to attain, maintain, and sustain meaningful employment in the state of Florida that has been nothing short but of a godsend for many people and their families and for our communities and society and here uh, we have the really good opportunity to meet some of the people that are related on this program and it's just amazing each and every one of them hope to have them back individually for an episode to get to meet them more and to dive in but for today I just wanted to get to know the group a little bit better myself for some of y'all this is the first time I'm coming to conversate with you I was invited to one of your socials to talk with the group of participants that were in on that. There's roughly eight-ish people I think that were on that and talking about health and you know what it's like to be a wheelchair user and the implications of all of the lifestyles and wonderful conversations that I learned so much from and you all were so open and receptive and also know some of you all from professional relationships as well and I consider dear friends and just this is just a great opportunity, I think, for everybody to get to know you all better. So I'm gonna I'm gonna lead us through some conversations. My first question is, how has disability impacted your life? In other words, you know, what does it mean for you to live with a disability? And especially if people don't know about disability, you know, what would you like to, them to know about
1: through the lens of your eyes and your life? Well, I, I think for me, um, you know, I don't look at myself uh, as different. I don't really know any better. I was born with. Um, cerebral palsy. Uh, obviously, um, you know, we do things a, a little bit different. We need a little extra help in terms of care providers and uh, different things to make life more accessible. But uh, I've been blessed, you know, to have uh, a great parents. And, you know, I had a great uh, education, graduated from uh, the University of Michigan, and made a lot of uh, good contacts there. I worked for the Center for Independent Living uh, in Ann Arbor. I helped develop some sports and recreation programs for people with disabilities. And so, uh, and then I moved down here uh, in 2005 and I've worked with Walt Disney World ever since um, at ESPN Wide World of Sports. Most recently uh, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on game days. And so to me, the key with living with a disability is you have to surround yourself with the right people. And uh, if you can do that, then, you know, I don't really look at myself as is uh, different. Um, obviously, this uh, the j program and Vassal um, has been a big part in, in helping me uh, maintain my uh, employment, which has also given me a great deal of independence and uh, empowerment.
3: To boot, uh, from what I understand, you won one of the most prestigious awards there at Disney World's Wide World of Sports. It was like a legacy honor, is that is that
1: correct? Yeah, so the Legacy Award is really neat. Uh, it's uh, given the 2% of the company, but the great part of it is you're nominated by your peers. And they do a vote every two years for the Legacy Award. And um, I was fortunate enough to be a recipient um, but one of the things I, I really enjoy, people ask me all the time, you know, how did I uh, receive it? I don't know. I was just being myself. But one of the things I really enjoy about my job, in particular at the sports complex, is being able to uh, work with our guests with disabilities. So i been able to be a part of some events like Atlanta Braves Spring Training. So I've helped kids with disabilities and their families. Do kids run the bases after the game. Uh, do some awesome. greets with autographs and pictures and things like that. And then also I uh, had an opportunity to work with Make-A-Wish uh, in the NFL Pro Bowl and then uh, Prince Harry's uh, Invictus Games. I don't know if you guys have heard about that. Oh yeah, Really, really cool event that happened in um, 2016 for veterans with disabilities. Uh, really, really an inspiring event to be a part of. And so that was... Uh, pretty big honor so anytime i get a chance to to give back i mean to me that's that's what it's all about um to make it easier for other folks and and to give them confidence uh that they too can uh, be independent and live a successful life
3: well that's you know what we're really hoping to promote here is the people to be the best version of themselves so they can live independently and help to serve others so I want to bring in here to the conversation as well, Doug Jones, talk to us, you know, what would you want people to know about how disabilities either impacted your life or what it's like to live in the day of a life as someone that has a disability?
4: Yeah, sure, you know, and uh, I acquired my disability as a high school student. So I spent uh, a little bit of time as a person that was able-bodied and and then acquired the disability. And and I think one thing that I kind of appreciate about the perspective I have is this was before ADA. So, you know, I. I spent time as an able-bodied person. I spent time as a person with a disability before ADA, and then time as as a person with a disability after ADA. And um, you know, I was blessed. I, I think, as as Carrie mentioned as well, to have had a the kind of family support and friends and opportunities that made the transition um, manageable for me. In terms of uh, you know of understanding pretty early on that I was the same person, even if. The things that I was going to be able to do might be a little bit different. My focus might be a little bit different, but at the core of, of who I was, I'm still, still the same person, just, just somebody that, that would need to do things a little bit differently because of the disability. And those couple things that I think I highlight for people are, uh, for me at least, I need to, needed to become a little more outgoing and comfortable encountering people who maybe would be standoffish because of their own lack of experience with people with disabilities. So for me, if I wanted to have a broad friend group, you know, I needed to show people that I was comfortable in my own skin Mm. enough for them to be comfortable to interact with me. And then the the second piece is, um, is just the planning piece. And, you know, and I'm fortunate that my injury level is such that, you know, that I can do many things or most things, but they still will require some level of of thinking ahead and planning you know if you if you decide to go somewhere and you might need a rental vehicle you know you need to plan ahead to get one and then you need to call in the day of and make sure that they mm-hmm. actually did prepare one with hand controls same thing with accessible hotel rooms or Airbnbs. so so one of the biggest differences beyond the interpersonal relationships for me is just the need to be a little bit intentional and to curate your experiences a little in advance so that you don't waste time and create uncomfortable or awkward situations.
3: So I heard in there adaptability, being very adaptable, having the social fluency to be able to really interact with others, but also that all stems from, you know, having good self awareness and being authentic to yourself and being the best version of yourself possible. If I'm not mistaken, I was trying to like weave that thread that you were going
4: through. Yeah, I think you I think you've paraphrased it exactly.
3: That's what I love about you. So what does it say about your character in terms of your illustrious career as a competitive wheelchair basketball player? Because uh, you're very well known, if the mm-hmm. the audience doesn't know, you got a very illustrious wheelchair basketball career, quite the competitor.
4: Well, you know, that, and that was something that was important to me in large part because I was very interested in athletics and focused on competitive athletics before my disability. Yeah. And, you know, I changed sports, you know, to wheelchair basketball after I became a paraplegic, in large part because that was the sport that was the most well-developed, you know, back in 1974. Since then, I, I, you know, been able to, to involve myself in a lot of other recreational type activities, you know, whether it was swimming or sit skiing, you know, snow skiing. So those things have come along nicely. And probably the other really important thing about the wheelchair basketball experience for me was that it introduced me very early in my disability to other people who were active, productive go-getters, you know, and, and people who had disabilities and acknowledged their disabilities, but for whom the disability wasn't the only defining characteristic, or in many cases, not even the central defining characteristic of who they were. It was It was a part of the tapestry of who they were, and they were in the game of, wheelchair basketball more to play basketball than, you know, it was more the basketball than the wheelchair. And and that was useful for me because I also had got to learn a lot vicariously, you know, people to to tell me the things they had learned so that I didn't have to learn every lesson on my own. You know, I didn't make the mistakes that I could have made, you know, little things like two door cars open, the door has a wider swing and it's easier to put a wheelchair in than a four-door car. Yeah. Pleated pants look good standing up and they don't look as good sitting down. <laughs> you know, a, a million just little things Gosh. like that 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 I was blessed to get a running start to to have known because of that, those associations.
3: Yeah, they say wise people learn from the mistakes of others, right? Yeah. Well, Christina, I'm gonna bring you in here in the conversation uh, as well. What are, what are what are some of your thoughts on how disabilities impacted your life and what you would want others to know about disability?
0: A little bit similar to Doug's. I, I was 19 when I had my spinal cord injury. I mean, it was a car accident. So I was 19. So I've been injured for 29 years. So I've all you know, I've been in the wheelchair for longer than I was prior. Gotcha. And I was, you know, an active regular young 19-year-old girl had graduated from you know high school and was active and and then it was devastating you know what happened but then people surrounded me and i got to know people and tape general the staff there kind of surrounded me and they encouraged me to be miss Wheelchair of florida which was a, a neat experience for me and i yeah. got to meet a lot of people all over the state of florida wow. and along the way you know voc rehab came in my, into my life for me to be able to go home from the hospital and full circle as I work for them now, and I've been with Oak Rehab for about 10 years.
3: Congratulations.
0: And, um, went and got my master's degree in rehab counseling, and I uh, pretty much, you know, saturate myself in my work. I'm, I'm a workaholic, and J-Pass has been just an absolute godsend to me because, you know, each and every day I was wondering how I was going to get from one place to another and get to the office and how I was going to make everything go, and it was so stressful, and and I was on the waiting list for a couple of years. So um, once I came off, it was just like a, a, a weight had been lifted, you know, from my shoulders. It was like, Oh my God, I can just work now. And um, just to, you know, to have a little hand up to be able to help me, you know, make the days go easier and and get help for the assistant and everything. It's just been incredible.
3: Thank you, Christina. We really appreciate you sharing that. And I, I really appreciate you saying how, you know, it's a hand up and, Really, a lot of ways I've heard the j program is one of those programs that really teaches people how to fish and, you know, not something just like giving fish away, but it's really something that, you know, without a fishing pole, personal care assistance or a net, we couldn't catch all the opportunities that are out there for us, especially in the realm of work. And Salim, i like to go to you on this one, you know, being a mechanical engineer, working for NASA, an entrepreneur from what I understand with row wheels, what is work meant for you as somebody you know that it seems to have really accomplished a, a whole lot there uh in a very competitive field that is just fascinating work by the way what what is the, having the ability to work meant to you and impacting your life
2: i mean it's uh it's everything it's uh gives me my my independence which is, is the main thing i lost as a result of my disability like a lot of people here i got injured my first year of college also a car accident and i'm a i'm a c5 quadriplegic so uh as independent I, as I am, when I'm in my chair, I am fully independent when it comes to getting ready in the morning and go to, going to bed at night. That's an expensive proposition. If you if you choose to live alone, which I did, my family is all in Miami. I've been working at the, at the Kennedy Space Center since I graduated with my master's here. It would have been extremely difficult, especially at the very beginning, to, to do that without JPASS and without the support that they provide. My care is... $20,000 a year just for caregiving. And so when I first started as a junior engineer, that would have been what 40% of my pay just to sure. pay for my support. So it's uh, it made it possible. I was afraid when I started looking at jobs, I was afraid of not having Medicaid and then how to pay for my my support and my help. If I chose to leave Miami and not be not have the support of my family, and J was a godsend. I would not have been able to do it if it wasn't for that. I have received opportunities at other space centers, promotional opportunities, and I have had to decline them because it would have been a, essentially either a even or a pay or a pay cut because of, of the loss of the uh-huh. support for JPASS. So it's a yeah, it's a godsend. I really wish that other states had this program and provided this kind of support to to, to people with disabilities. It's, it's a shame that it's only available in, Fro- in Florida.
3: Yeah, I think you're pointing to something here that's really profound, and I got the chills as you're saying that, is just having the opportunity and means for personal care assistance, and it's allowed you to have social mobility that you otherwise would not have had and afforded, you know, these great opportunities that you have there. And it's just wonderful testament to the real return on investment. This program has on human and economic costs. And and so I wanna go over to you, Mark Brisbane and talk about the importance and the role of a personal care assistance, a PCA and, and one's ability to work and, and why that relationship or having that ability and service is so important for working.
5: I'm like Salim and um, Doug and, uh, guys ladies on the call too that have a significant spinal cord injury to face if you have limitations in you know in regards to doing what you have to do to get ready for the morning and get ready for the night um, especially if you have a job you're employed you know being under the jpass program having that money coming in extra that helps you to afford someone that's dependable having that person that you know is going to come in help you do the things that you're not physically able to do is comforting because one, it's very expensive. Two, you can't always get someone that's dependable. And you know, I've gotten older, you know, I'm in my 50s now and I've been a quad quadriplegic since 1983. You know, there's times that if I can't get my spouse, I have to have someone do the heavy lifting with transfer. And so there's a lot that comes into play. And without the JPAS program, you know you're paying out of pocket. It can be really expensive. Uh, Salim said, like you said, twenty thousand a year. It, it can be around that. Sometimes it could be more. It's just according to what level of care you're going to need. If you're working a full time job to get ready for the day, um, mm-hmm. and as you get older and you're working, you're going to need more help because you're not going to be as strong as you were in your 40s or your 30s. I love hearing these stories, and I already asked Jane for permission, but I, I'm on the oversight committee. I'm the vice chairman there. And to hear these stories, and I also work for the Center for Independent Living, doing casework there um, for consumers. And just knowing over 37 years, 36 years of being in a wheelchair, there was nothing back. Me and Doug, he's probably been in a chair longer than I have, maybe the same time. There was nothing like this back in the 80s. You never heard of anything like this. And now at this point in 2021, there's times I think back, that what did people do that did have a job? How did they afford? Who did they count on if, if you didn't have a family member? So there's a lot that comes into play, Tony. And I can talk, 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 you know, until 12 o'clock tonight about it, but it's very beneficial and we're very fortunate because not all states have a program like
4: this to help folks. Yes, sir. I think Mark's point of the the timeliness even is a significant one for me, because um, as I've gotten older and I'm, you know, I'm uh, gosh, 40 some years as a wheelchair user now, 44 maybe. And I've been full-time employed for 35, the most recent 35 of those. And just, you know, when I learned about this program mm, two or three years ago, maybe three years ago. I was just reaching really a point to where, you know, because of my shoulders and elbows and my waning abilities to be as independent, I was starting to question, do I need to go ahead now and retire and, you know, and adjust mm. what I'm, you know, doing so that I can be, uh, you know, preserve my joints and make it through the day. And, uh, then I found out about the program, you know, so now I'll work through social security age and you know that's another four years and and you know so probably not only opened the door to be able for some people to work for me it extended the amount of time that i'd be able to to work full time.
3: I think you're bringing up a huge point there that as yes, as we you know get old you know father times undefeated. No matter you know what we've done uh, to maintain a healthy lifestyle, uh, the overuse and use of wheelchairs—you all could talk ad nauseum about it—very very hard. The famous Indiana Jones said, "It's not the years, it's the mileage," right? That's and right. all the wheelchair basketball and and all those things too—they add up. And you know to be able to still be functional. So Christina or Salim or Carrie, talk to me uh, about what you feel the importance of having a PCA. And your ability to work is, and/or what working means to you, and the impact that it's had on your life.
0: Well, it it made all the difference because, I mean, I, kind of my identity is my job. I mean, it's pretty much consumes most of of my day, conversations, and and you know, what's that's the first question somebody asks you, you know, when you go somewhere is, what do you do? It's rewarding to be able to say that, you know, that I'm a I'm a VR consultant. And it kind of surprises people that that I've accomplished that in that type of a job. And it's full-time. It's the 40-hour of the week. You know, it's in and out. And there's travel with different things that we have to do as far as training and different, you know, aspects of going to the schools and dealing with students and the adults mm-hmm. and stuff. And it's really rewarding giving back. And I have a real perspective because I've, I've actually been there. I've been a client. And now I can provide the services to other people. So, I mean, it went from... You know, one day I was like, I think I'm just going to give up. I just don't think I can keep getting from point A to point B Uh to, oh, my gosh, I have somebody now. That's their job is to make sure that, you know, I'm set up and I have everything I need to make the day. And I'm the most independent when I'm at my desk at work. I'm productive. I actually do something. And it's the most rewarding of of anything that I do. It just went from from night and day to wondering how I'm going to do this to, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm able to do this. And then now if I have an opportunity to do a promotion, this would be the first thing I would say because that's one thing that they're, they're going to look at me and say, well, if you want to be, let's say, supervisor and you drop everything and be in an office, you know, at the drop of a hat, I can actually say, you know, my assistant, yes, I can be there. So it, it would make a difference and if I'm even able to get a higher position than I have now.
3: Wow, beautifully said. Thank you, Christina. That, that really, to me, just harkens to the fact that, you know, having a personal care assistant to me is almost like, you know, just natural as having a wheelchair ramp into a building, any kind of accommodation that someone would need to be able to, you know, maintain and sustain employment that should just be there out there, you know, for everybody that would ever need one. Fortunately, there's a program here that does allow that. And, and thank you for sharing that. Celine, Carrie, do you have anything to add to that, what, what she said about the importance of have PCA and, and one's ability to work?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, your PCA just gives you a lot of confidence to know that, um, you know, you're going to have a chance to to get to work and, and do what you need to do. Be independent and also have a purpose and feel like you're contributing to society, to your country, and you're you're an asset to your company. Uh, one of the things that I try to impress on my PCAs uh, when I interview them is that this isn't just your regular, you know, nine to five job. In other words, if if you don't show up in the morning, I don't get out of bed, which means I don't get to work. And so uh, it's really, really important. Uh, it's really important uh, to find someone who's dependable and accountable, and uh, it's made all the um, difference in the world for me. Um, I was never able to uh, uh, play sports, but I've always loved sports, and I've found different ways to be a part of sports, whether that be uh, play-by-play broadcasting or working in uh, community relations aspects and doing all kinds of things uh, related to sports and things that I'm really passionate about. And uh, without those PCAs, um, you know, none of it would be possible, um, particularly with the uh, transportation aspect of mm. it.
3: Huge, yeah, all of you. Your way you're describing this it's like being a part of this program is almost more like winning the lottery in many ways. So that the doors of opportunities and the lifestyles allows people to have who are willing to work hard for it, and it's just amazing.
2: Uh, for me, it's it evens the playing field, is what it does. Kind of. Evens. So the we're already we're already, uh, we're already at a disadvantage, right? Yeah able-bodied people don't have to worry about paying somebody to get up in the morning or go to bed right right this is the most basic of, of, of necessities for me it's kind of it helps level the playing playing field so i could can, I can, you know i can participate and not have to be at a, at a disadvantage particularly economically because i have to spend so much money just to get just to get ready for the day or go sure. to bed at night so yeah peace. of for me it's peace of mind because I'm mm-hmm. a quadriplegic, but the worst thing about being a quadriplegic is that having to depend on somebody for, for getting the bed, getting to bed, or getting up. I uh-huh. and I can deal with everything else. Everything else, hey, yeah, I can deal with. Yeah. It's there's- that depends. It's that depend. That part of the you know I've done everything in my life to try to become as independent as I can. I drive. I live alone. You know, I I have everything set up so I don't need anybody during the day. But during the, getting to bed and getting up in the morning, there's no getting past that. And so it, it having Ability to to pay and have somebody show up in the morning and night reliably for me it's peace of mind it's it, it's it's nothing more than that
3: peace is priceless absolutely. So the urgency of this conversation has a lot to do with that right now the state legislature is considering a budget, a budget that would allow uh, an increase in funding from this program from general revenue that uh, I would like to bring in Jane Johnson to provide a quick summary of what's in play here and why this uh, conversation matters in terms of uh, where we are right now in the legislative process, which I believe we're in the first day of a three-day cooling off period. Uh, where they're going to be considering the House and Senate versions of their budget and some reconciliation, all these other things that Jane Johnson's been teaching us on legislative updates. If you haven't seen them, go see them. But anyways, Jane Johnson, talk to us. Why Set the context for the reason of why this conversation is so important and why people need to hear it.
6: All right. But Tony, you can't get mad at me if I correct what you just said. <laughs> go so, for it. Okay. So this is the, the change to the funding for J.P. Pass is coming through a bill that will impact the budget, but it won't be a budget appropriation. Um, The way this program works is that FASL contracts with eight state attorney's offices around the state to go after people who have not not paid their sales tax. So the state attorneys, actually, they work with the Department of Revenue. They find people who haven't paid their sales tax, and they work out settlement agreements with them in lieu in exchange for not getting criminal penalties. And that money that they collect goes into a pot, and this program gets, gets half of it. And then the the other half of it goes into general revenue for spending on everything from schools to healthcare to whatever. So for the past several years, that has worked well. But the amount of money coming into the program has gone down. And so every year, the program actually loses money. We operate at a deficit. So we've gone to the legislature and found two fantastic sponsors, Senator Aaron Bean in the Senate and Representative Jenna Persons-Malika in the House. They sponsored bills to increase the percentage of of those funds that we get from 50 to 75 percent. And that change will cover the deficit. So we'll be in good shape. We won't have to worry about cutting the program or reducing the benefit that you receive. Because as Salim mentioned, it's like a tax. It's It's like a special tax that you all have to pay just to work which is not fair. And it's, it's it's just the cost of you working. And in addition to you paying PCAs, you're employing people too. So you are both employees and mm-hmm. employers, which to me is a double economic benefit. So anyway, so that's where we are. The bill in the Senate, it has passed the bill, the Senate unanimously and all three committees, it was heard by up until last week, it was passed unanimously in the House. It has passed through three committees unanimously. And tomorrow it's supposed to be um, coming up in the House the House is going to take up the Senate bill and vote on it. So if it passes, then it goes to the governor's desk and the governor has to sign it. It does impact the budget because it will, there'll be funds that won't be available for for general revenue, but the, the House and Senate have not yet agreed on a budget as of this afternoon. They are hoping to come back possibly later this evening or tomorrow, but they do have to get a budget finalized and on the desks of of the legislators 72 hours before Friday, because um, the budget has to have a cooling off period, which is that 72 hours or three days. So we expect to see a final budget tomorrow. So there's kind of two things going on at the same time. But um, for JP Pass, though, it is a legislative issue that impacts the budget, but we hope there'll be a vote tomorrow. So this program is so timely, because what I've heard today is such a perfect testament to the return on investment and the vital social and economic importance of this program for people who want to work and realize their their full potential and find their identity and work and contribute to society, contribute to universities, to NASA, to to VR, to um, Centers for Independent Living. Uh, It's just, um, you guys are really amazing. And I feel more committed than ever before to this program after hearing your stories. So, that's where we are. Your stories will be a powerful tool to demonstrate both to the House and to the governor why they need to approve this this increase so that you can keep on working and remain independent.
3: Thank you, Jane. And with this episode, we're going to be linking up show notes with information of key legislators or related to this conversation that people can contact and, you know, let them know what you think and what your thoughts are. For me, it makes, from a human and economic cost, such a return on investment. You know, for me, first and foremost, because it's the right humane thing to do, like you said, it's just, it equalizes everything and it's just the right thing to do. And it makes economic sense. Like you said, people are employing people with this as well as working, you know, just from a conservative, fiscal conservative, being somebody that's not also requiring benefits here and there, but, you know, actually contributing to the you know taxes that get put out there, it's just, it's a win-win, you know, it just makes sense to me. But if any of you all here, and this will be a full-on jump ball response for any of you all, but if you had to say anything to somebody that might be listening that's a decision-maker or somebody that would be willing to advocate and contact any of the people that might be linked up in the show notes to let them know what their point of view is, what would you have to say to that person, that decision-maker or that potential advocate for a program like this?
1: Just to know that, that their decision um, is really... Uh impacting lives and how powerful uh, that that decision is. I think uh, many of the um, assisted daily living activities that we've been talking about are many that, you know, able-bodied people uh, take for granted. And um, I think, you know, with their vote, uh, they can really um, uh, make a difference. I mean, it's, it's just huge. I can see
3: where people
4: take it for granted. Go ahead, Doug. I think you know, uh, to expound a little bit on a point that you made, no matter how you analyze this, whether you look at it from the feeling perspective in terms of whether it's um, an opportunity to help people, you know uh, have uh, success and dignity and 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 those types of important characteristics, or whether you look at it just simply from return on investment. Mm-hmm. it's it's a a yes decision <laughs> either way. You know, you look at the amount of mm-hmm. of taxes paid by by persons with disabilities who are working. Persons with disabilities. Yep. You look at the cost avoidance piece of of what the expense would have been for someone who didn't do that. And even for somebody who isn't persuaded by the it's the right thing to do for human beings piece, uh, they should be persuaded as well by the business by the business logic behind it as well. Thank you, Doug. It makes
3: financial sense. It makes heart heartstring sense. It's a win-win. Should be a no-brainer. <laughs> But uh, anyone else, what would you want people to know? Who are you're going to be a decision maker on this end, uh, or somebody that you could be an advocate and, and voice their perspective about this topic?
2: I you don't know, Carrie and Doug pretty put it pretty pretty well. I can't I can't I don't know how, how I could expand on that. I mean, it's it's a no brainer as far as I'm concerned. I'm not sure how what, how you would think that it wasn't a, a good decision to make, right?
3: I think it's an awareness piece, and Jane's been very helpful, and so have you all have been really helpful and raising attention and awareness of a program like this. As you all know, just the knowledge of the opportunities or resources out there is a barrier and people not knowing about this. And I hope more people can learn about this program, whether they're deciding on it for now on the budget or wanna advocate for it or be a participant on it. I think the more people know about this program, it just makes sense to be supportive of this program So yeah, it's huge that you all are right now coming together and been such advocates for the program because I know we wouldn't be having this conversation right now if it wasn't for people like you going out and telling your stories. This isn't the first time you've told your story and been on a platform and advocated for this program. You've done it in many different ways and many different levels. And here we are having this conversation because of that.
6: And Tony, if I can just add real quickly that we wouldn't be at this place where we are, where these bills have passed through each of their committees unanimously, because I know that you, all of you, have been reaching out to your House and Senate members and asking for their support. It really makes a difference. It was not anything, I mean, I'm up here letting you know what's going on in Tallahassee, but really the difference is when a legislator can put a face to a program or a face to an ask, and they can actually understand what it's about then it's not somebody lobbying. It's a person, person explaining an economics solution to a vexing problem that usually costs 10 times more because people are getting public welfare benefits. So I have to really give the credit to all of you on the program for your advocacy. I cannot stress enough how important it is for individuals to have their voices heard by your elected officials. So thank you. Thank you.
0: One thing I tell people is like, disabilities can happen to anybody at any day. So any walk of life, so you sometimes you can be born that way, sometimes you can, it can hit you at any, any life point, you know, so it could happen any to anybody. So just set yourself back and say, you know, would you want someone that would be, be there to be uh, confident and a, an advocate for yourself that would allow you to do things that, you know, maybe some things that were taken away from you. And so it just, I, I tell people and, and it's by word of mouth is just, it's the way you live. And that, you know, it's, you know, you appreciate everybody that's in your life, but, you know, that there's also that, that point that it's business, that it's just nice to have that confidence that, you know, it's, you're not relying on loved ones or people that are, I don't want to say that they're obligated, but they're doing their job, like, just like you're doing your job and it's business. And it's, it's, uh, it's rewarding that way.
3: It's great to be about it and not just talk about it. That's for sure.
5: It is all about attitude, too. When it happens, oh, man, you kind of just, everything slams on brakes, and then your mind starts clearing up some, and then you start getting an idea of how you want to approach it and where do you want to go. Me personally, and and I'm not speaking for these guys on here, maybe I am, but I made a choice at a young age that I didn't want to be home. I didn't want my mom and dad taking care of me. I'm going to roll the dice. I'm going to go somewhere. I'm going to jump outside of the box. I'm going to head to Orlando, Florida, leave a little small town up on the Florida, Georgia line, learn how to be independent, get a job and keep going the best way I can to be what the term normal is. I could be with a disability and I've been doing it now, man, this makes my 24th year straight of working 12 at one 12 now, in Gainesville, the Center for Independent Living, almost 12, it's very rewarding if you push yourself to accomplish those things uh, and not give up. Don't quit. If you quit, then that's it. You know, life expectancy with your disability, it's just going to jump on top of you and you're going to have a much tougher time. And then you're going to, you know, want to depend on people to do for you. That's the wrong thing. You know, I got twin girls and a wife, but I still, I, I try to look at it every day personally, like I'm all by myself. You know, I'm living by myself. I try to do as much as I can. So it's not all on them. You know, there's enough on my wife already and anyone I have to bring in to help me do things. So, but I, it gives you confidence. It helps a ton with your mental and as well as your phys, physical and emotional, you know, mindset. But um, I just want to add to that. I, I really like. way christina put that
3: me too you you know like you were saying it it, persistence is so needed uh, to get through these tough times and as you were saying christina when when you were at a time where you know you didn't know what was going to happen and then here it is that it you you have a program that can really allow you to continue on uh, it takes persistence plus opportunity sometimes and and it's just wonderful to hear what you all have done with this opportunity to make the most of yourselves and to achieve and to be the best version of yourselves and then to give back to others Seemingly, everything that I've heard today, one of the threads that you all have shared is that your interest in wanting to help other people that are going through perhaps what you've already been through uh, as well. And I just want to acknowledge you all for that as well. It's not that you're lifting yourself up, but you're lifting so many other people up by being who you are and,
1: and, and allowed to live that independence. One question I have for you guys, it's kind of a trivia question, but I think it really puts into perspective what this program is all about. And that is what's the biggest room in the world? Does anybody have a guess? The biggest room in the world is the room for improvement. So <laughs> we have an opportunity to get better every day. <laughs> the program gives us the opportunity to get better every day.
3: Mike, drop. That is beautifully said. I look forward to inviting all you all on for uh, one-on-one interviews. Another time, too, as well, to get the gang together and talk about other things that I, I think would be really important for us to talk about that go well beyond even what we're here to talk about in terms of the J-Pass program that I know you all have uh, to offer and share about a wide range of topics and issues. And, and I think you all taking the time out of your very busy schedules to be able to, to be here whether you're working in nonprofits, whether you're working at universities, whether you're working at NASA for the state and VR, the wide world of sports, for the state's Florida associations for Centers for Independent Living, you all are movers and shakers. And to align the orbits where everyone can get together and have an important conversation that needs to be heard it is much appreciated. So thank you for lending your voices. Thank you for lending your time. And thank you for all that you do. And until the next time, onward and
0: upward.
6: Thank you, Tony, and thank thank you all. This was great, really, really great.
0: Enjoyed it very much. It 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 was nice. It was awesome, Tony.
3: Well, we're going to be linking up in the show notes contacts for key representatives and senators for deciding on this and the governor for people to advocate for whatever their point of view is about this program and whether or not it is worthwhile, but from a human and economic cost. It really makes sense. It's a huge return on investment in both areas. And here is a conversation with a group of people of why that just makes complete sense to be able to support what we call a no-brainer. And uh, here, meet some very exciting people who are recipients of this program.